0: You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. We're back. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm here, joined as always by Greg Campbell and David Warren. We are Ottawa real estate. I mean, that's what we do. That's what we are. Uh, I'm one of the owners and a mortgage agent over at Referral Mortgages in Ottawa. And David Warren is my business partner. He's also a mortgage agent with Referral Mortgages and an owner. And Greg Campbell is a partner over at Blue Panda Realty here in Ottawa. He's an expert realtor. Quick shout out to Stephen Hopkins, our producer. And uh, lastly, to our coffee sponsor, North Brew, if you go to Northbrew.ca, just use the promo code podcast and you're gonna get 20% off your coffee orders. Gentlemen, we're back. We're buzzing. Yeah. New day, new time, at least for today. Still be <laughs> still be released at the same time Tuesday. So nobody'll know the difference. But how's everything going? How was your week? Good. Week. Go ahead, Dave.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, I was gonna say it's good. It's been a little uh, you know, it's 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 been a busy week, but also nicely uh, a little bit of a, a, a lull this past week, which has been nice, um, given a little bit of a time to breathe and catch up on some past files. But uh, yeah, overall, overall, no complaints. Yeah, same here. It's been uh, pretty
2: chill and it's been uh, it's been nice just to have a little bit of breathing space. Considering the last couple of years have just been nuts constantly. Uh, been working on some stuff behind the scenes, so I'm excited to get more of that done into the fall and uh, had a little trip on the weekend with the fam. It was great. Went to the water park in St. Silver. Amazing place. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. So, they sell the that whitewater rafting
1: uh, ride? Yeah,
2: dude. The Colorado? Magic. Yeah, the <laughs> Insane. Colorado. Insane. Helmets. You got to wear a helmet because if you fly off, if you lose your grip, you Death. will definitely be hurt. Yeah. You will be hurt in that ride. Sp-
1: Speaking of wild rides, gentlemen, Yeah, lots of talk, lots of talk over the last couple of weeks about the uh, political landscape, housing plan with all the different uh, parties. We're going to get into that in depth today. Um, just wanted to quickly touch on a couple of comments we got on last week's episode. Greg, I know there was one specifically that you had, um, mm-hmm. you had responded to and it was a, it was, you know, a relevant comment, an even more relevant response, but uh, it seems the commenter deleted the post afterwards. So maybe just touch on quickly what, uh, what they had said and what, um, you know, your feelings on it. So the, the
2: comment was real estate agents and their infinite greed are the cause capitals of the spike in housing prices. The selling agents crank up and set the asking prices high because they want a higher commission. So here's my reply. Thanks for the comment. But I think studying it a bit deeper, you'd find that generally realtors work with what the market suggests and sell at what a buyer would offer. For the realtors who are greedy, they would list a property higher, which would not sell. And then the seller would fire them to work with an agent who knows the market. Saying there are no greedy agents would be a stretch. But suggesting greedy agents cause a spike in price overall and have created the current housing market trends is uneducated. I do agree that greed can be associated with commissions, but it has nothing to do with the cost of homes. Looks like you've given us a great topic for an upcoming episode. Hopefully we can give you some more info to help you better understand. And I think, I mean, we can all get into that topic on another episode, but uh, I think it's funny that he posted that. I did the answer, had tons of uh, likes and laughs and loves and whatever, and then he deleted it.
1: I mean, we have to to keep in mind as well that a lot of listeners may not deal in real estate, obviously on a regular basis. Like I know we do have a lot of realtors and and mortgage agents and so on, but the general public probably doesn't fully understand the landscape of what's happening. But I think the issue with that comment is that he said it as if it was factual, that this is what's causing it, you know, as Mm -hmm. opposed to this is what I think causes it. And then you could answer to it. So it was more just the the accusation, I think, that was incorrect in his. Exactly. He's making a statement that um, he hates uh, realtors basically.
2: So mm-hmm. he will probably sell his home on his own, which is fine. He can do that, and that's his prerogative, right? But that's basically what's happening there. He He, he probably had a horrible, horrible experience with. Yeah, someone. yeah.
0: Um, <clears throat> I found there was also uh, so there was another comment as well from uh, from a woman. I think a great a great uh, comment that I wanted to touch on because it'll kind of lead into the rest of our our show here, which is talking about the different uh, platforms uh, and housing platforms, which are front and center. Uh, for this year's election, which I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. gives us great content on Torah. Um, yeah. So, uh, a woman here: uh, the the price to buy a rent has skyrocketed in the past year in Canada. Promising to build more homes at these inflated prices will not help the average person, no matter the age. It makes no difference if you build one million or one billion at these inflated prices when the interest rates increase, and eventually they will will have families living in the streets as they will no longer be able to afford the huge mortgage payments. And if the home is an investment property, your tenant will not afford the higher rent as you can be sure when interest rates rise. So will rents increase also actions speak louder in words. I see no action, just a whole lot of empty, twisted promises to crying shame. Um, I think there's a lot well, in tell there. It, tell us how you really feel. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but I do think, I do think she's, I think there's some great comments in there. Um, action do speak louder in words. And I think that's something I think everyone can be, uh, uh, you know, kind of feels when it comes to an election is it's a lot of lip service, what's actually going to be implemented, what is actually realistic or what platforms have been thought through. Um, so really with all these different platforms, the housing and affordability or affordable housing platforms that all the different parties are coming out with, certainly it'll be, um, interesting to see which are implemented and, uh, and all that. Now, one thing and we were talking about before coming on the show was uh, to touch on one of Deborah's comments of the supply side is every change that has ever been made over the past years have all been focused on the buyers, trying to slow down buyers, trying to limit what they can afford, um putting in stress tests, increasing those stress tests, removing thirty year grams to twenty five year amortizations, um, things like that, which don't actually address the singular problem, which is we have a lack of supply. Um, I was mentioning to the guys that, uh, before that, uh, there was an article I was reading over the weekend stating that Canada has the fewest homes per capita than any G seven country, uh, which is telling by the fact that our home prices have doubled over the past five years. And, and Greg, I think you mentioned the increase in, in sales numbers over the past mm-hmm. three years have you know, it's basically jumped to hundred thousand homes. In two years, 2019 to 2020. Well, yeah, 2019 to 2021. So
2: three years, a hundred thousand more sold. And if that keeps up, like, you know, that number to me, I think 2022, that's going to jump up another 25,000 at least. And and
0: that's based on 450,000 homes sold in across Canada in 2019. And then you said 580, I think, mm -hmm. or 550. Yeah, 580 for 2021. I mean, so, so to Deborah's point of makes no difference of whether you build a million or a billion homes, if there's roughly around 500,000 homes being sold across the country, uh, and this is on the MLS platform, right? Um, not mm-hmm. counting for any yeah. private. If you increase, and a lot of the platforms are touching on building 500 to a million to 1.4 million new homes, I mean, that's effectively, you're increasing the supply by I think, by two full years worth of supply, which is just going to stabilize or bring down prices increase more housing for renters, which then you don't have the same competition. Like we talked about last week, um, where you have fewer rentals, people charging a lot, um, that when you have more options for people and more affordable housing options, then it just brings those prices down, which, so I think there's, you know, it will be interesting to see how things continue as far as, or, or roll out on these plans. But I know Paul, you have uh, you have all the, some different of uh, the the headline topics. We wanted to kind of touch on the the three parties and three main parties mm-hmm. and, and what their sure. platforms yeah, I'll,
1: are. I'll get into those. I just wanted to quickly comment on what you said. And I think it's it's great as well. Just the fact that even if none of these things that we're about to talk about get implemented, the fact that they're even being discussed is awesome because in the past, Mm -hmm. it's very much just like, like you said, Dave, it's like we got to change the amortization. It was 40, then it was 35, then 30, now 25. Like they're just trying to tighten it up so that people can't buy as opposed to addressing, like you said, the real issue, which is the supply side of things. And we've seen that, um, you know, really amplified over the last couple of years. So uh, let's get right into it, gentlemen, shall we? So (coughs) I'm going to start off. We'll start off with um, the conservative uh, platform. Uh, It's top of my list here. So their main points are that they want to build 1 million homes in the next three years or 1 million, I guess, create 1 million homes in the next three years, which is a very um, optimistic plan. Uh, they also want to focus on uh, public transit infrastructure, so increasing the density in the area. So, what, you know, they want to basically, and I know we've already started doing that in Ottawa, but they want to basically create further infrastructure around the public transit system so that those areas dense uh, increase density. And then lastly, they want to take 15% of the federal real estate portfolio, basically, uh, to ensure more housing. So they're going to be doing kind of a conversion of commercial space into residential space. Those are kind of their main, at least from what I read, correct me if I'm wrong, but those are kind of the main three bullet points that they have kind of um, focused on.
0: Yeah, I I think one other... One other topic that I thought was, uh, was great, was good, um, for first time homebuyers is, is, uh, addressing the stress test Yes for yeah, first-time reduce homebuyers and reduce that, which I think is great. And they wanted to, I, I know Greg, you pointed it out before. Um, I think a number of the platforms are touching also on focused on any money laundering and, and, uh, all of that and mm-hmm. kind of instituting more f- fixes and, and, uh, you know, focuses on that because there is a huge issue in that Around We
1: should also, I should also mention, mention, excuse me, um, foreign buyers that they do want to put a ban on foreign buyers for residential homes. That's obviously a big, a big uh, point I mean, there's so many, there's a lot of points on each platform. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard to ca- ca- cover all of them, well, but let's just, I mean, let's just start at the top.
2: Let's just go through the first one. Everybody wants to build the liberals want to build, preserve, or repair 1.4 million homes. Conservatives want to build a million homes in three years. The NDP wants to build five hundred thousand affordable homes in ten years. In ten years, I yeah. mean, five hundred thousand affordable homes in ten years. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know how much that's really going to help anything. Uh, the Liberal comment of one point four in four years, I think, is uh, I don't know, is that possible?
1: Well, so one hundred and so one point four million homes. Th- those are repaired or rehabbed. And I think Dave, you mentioned this earlier that only 150,000, so 10% of that 1.4 million is going to be new constructions. So similar to the conservatives, I think where they're going to be using some government, um, you know, uh, commercial space, basically government space, uh, in commercial real estate, they're going to be converting those. I would have to assume that that's going to be a similar plan. Um, Dave, what, what are your thoughts on that as far as like when they say r- repaired or rehabbed, how do you like, what does that mean to you as far as where they're going to get those spaces?
0: I think it's just, I think it, in my mind, it's going to be incentives to existing landlords and existing property owners to, uh, increase, you know, their unit numbers potentially from, you know, rehab the properties they have, maybe it's a duplex to a triplex or what have you, um, repairing and, and improving the rental supply out there, but that's not increasing supply that's just rehabbing or, um, re, you know, revamping existing properties. I think the biggest thing to really focus on for any of them is what are they, you know, what are the, what are the numbers of new supply that they're talking about putting on the market for any of the parties? And I think also addressing, you know, there is, is a huge issue with affordable housing. So what does that look like? And and certainly on the affordable housing side, um, for the construction affordable housing fund that's there and any of the topics that have been it's 20% of the units are at least under the 30% median household income. Um, so so in a building, so for affordable housing to fall under these incentive programs, like the one out there right now, um, only 20% of the units in that building need to be affordable Mm -hmm. and affordable is deemed as, um, 30% of the median household income. Now what in that, that neighborhood, in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. In Canada, the average household income is $115,000. So that means their rent monthly could be affordable. And then I'm putting in quotations here for those of you that are listening, uh, is $2,890 a month. Yeah. And that's, bananas. that's not, that's not affordable. Um, you know, we're in Ottawa on Preston street. There's an, a, there's a building being built right now, a condo, being built as affordable under the affordable housing construction grant. Um, The median household income in the area is what makes up what's the affordable. And it means that they can charge $3,500 a month or $3,800 a month (laughs) in rent if they wanted to, to still fall under that affordable. That is not affordable. We talked
1: about it last week. And let's not forget (laughs) that they also got a ridiculous, uh, you know, zero interest funding for that, for that build as well. So for sure. So um,
0: I think, I think to my point for any of these, for any platform for any of these parties that are talking about affordable housing, it needs to be truly affordable housing for these people. Yeah. Language matters. And through community, yeah. Through community housing, like, you know, whether it's like the different municipalities, community housing, things like that, and not, um, not this, you know, 30% of the median household income, like that's not affordable. And it's, and it doesn't address that huge need that's there in all cities across the country. So I think they really, I think all the platforms, all the parties, have really messed that up, and I think they need to really focus on what is affordable housing.
1: I agree. Absolutely. So let's let's touch quickly on the foreign investors because I know the uh, like all the all the different parties have really um, you know kind of put a hammer down on that. So as far as foreign investors, liberals have said basically two year ban on foreign buyers. Conservatives, exact same thing, two year ban on foreign buyers. NDP is saying a twenty percent national foreign buyers tax. So they're going a bit of a different direction to basically just want to tax them for uh, any kind of non-primary home that they're going to be buying in Canada.
0: Yeah, I I think it's... I I wish they just blended those. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like I I mean, like we were talking about before, you do a ban on foreign buyers. I know uh, one of the parties, I think it's a conservative platform, foreign buyers can still invest into Mm multi-residential. So taking it out of like buying single family homes and, and just tying them up where they're vacant in a lot of cities like Vancouver and Toronto. Um, but they can still invest, but it has to be into, into, um, uh, rental properties. But I think to, you know, I think Greg, you were mentioning before that you put a ban, people are still going to find ways of investing in a market, but if you mm-hmm. do a ban plus also that tax, um, that's going to be a huge deterrent, uh, in that capacity. And, and I know somebody made a comment on one of our, uh, on one of our videos, uh, maybe it was YouTube uh, a week or two ago, but that foreign buyers only make up 5% of the, of the homes sold a year. But if you're, you know, we've got 550,000 or 580,000 homes being sold in 2021 is a projection. You know, you're, you're, you're talking like almost 30,000 homes. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, twenty nine thousand homes. That's a lot of homes. Um, You know, Ottawa. That's that's all of Ottawa's transactional history for an entire year. So, removing those buyers, even if it's for two years, will help to stabilize and lower that as well. That's my opinion. I don't know if Greg, if you have.
2: Uh... Well, I mean, it, it, it'll help stabilize it, but then it's like, what happens after that? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's time to prepare, I suppose, but you know, when you've when you're an investor, you've got money. You've you've got other places to go. As soon as something else opens up that you know you've done well at before, chances are you're just going to jump right back in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they had, I, I, I do like the idea of like what you said—the ban plus a tax—that'll be more beneficial for especially new home buyers in Canada and Canadians. Um, you know, if there's a plan in place for something else to be implemented after the two-year ban, you know, that's not a ban but a different form of. Uh, of buying for foreign investors. I mean, maybe that's something we'll look at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky all around. Yeah. They got money. They'll put it, they'll put it somewhere and they'll come back when it opens up again.
1: So should we get into the, uh, the heavy topics, the hot topics? There's a couple that, uh, Ooh. that are eye opening that I think have been not as well received. Well, actually let's start. Actually, I got one more great. I think personally, great, uh, great idea. Um, liberals have said that they want to institute a first time homebuyer savings account. So you can basically similar to kind of, it's kind of a hybrid. It seems between a TFSA and an RSP where you can contribute up to $40,000 tax-free into a first time homebuyer savings account. And you can also withdraw that 40,000 tax-free up to the age of 40
0: Any of the of gains, to promote the gains, to invest it, any of the gains, gains. invest in the market or anything like that. Any of the gains would be tax-free. As well, right. and it's right. and and it's supplementary to your TFSA account. Yes. Yeah.
1: Which so I I, is... personally, I think that's a a good. I think it's a great idea. I think even just proposing that, I think whatever party takes over, I think that would be worthwhile just to even promote people to start saving for a home because I think a lot of people, when we're talking to clients about down payments, I mean, a lot of people do have money in their RSps and TFSA's and they take advantage of those programs. Um, but I think having a direct incentive to save specifically for a home would be of value to many Canadians.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's a, I really think it's a great, uh, a great plan. Now, one thing, one thing
1: this will do, you know, if we have, you know, there's a couple other talks, like I know NDP is talking Mm -hmm. about extending to 30-year amortizations again, these sorts of things are not going to address the supply issue. These are actually going Mm -hmm. to create further demand, right? If you have people, 30-year AMs, incentivizing people to save for their first home. Like there's going to be, and again, with that 40,000, I'm interested to know if that can be like, if you could have a um, almost like a, not a spousal, but like a parental first-time homebuyers account where parents can put, you know, that 40,000 or or save for that 40,000 for their kids. You know, if you have a, you know, Greg, you have two young girls, you were able to start putting money aside now into their first time home buyers account like i'm interested to see what that platform would look like yeah. as far as how you can contribute it but i think ultimately that's going to stimulate further um exactly. demand Dude, that's and it's exactly right further demand so you need to make sure that you have that offset of of that supply figured out first before you start implementing further stimulus to that absolutely
2: man and that's that's what they should be addressing like as this campaign goes on that should be the number one thing that they're all talking about more supply of homes. How they're going to do it? How they're going to pay for it? How we're going to pay for it? Like whatever, you know.
0: And and, and I think I think the without for all of them increasing that supply without increasing people's taxes. The answer isn't that's just it. tax more. We already pay an outrageous no, and amount and of that's tax. What they have it's, to do. It's in how? money management. It's in money management, and 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 put it on bring it in private um, the private developers, and not just tax increase in taxes or or the government inc- um creating this extra supply right. it's it's right. it's, a, government it's spending money. Hybrid of love government spending money. and and collaboration with private but yeah. but i think to your point paul is is that i really wish and we talked about it before but and we'll keep going through all their different ideas but overall it'd be great if they actually took a step back and did a bipartisan platform of blending all of their ideas because each platform actually has some good ideas um, that that they really should be leveraging each other's uh, platforms. But um, I think the uh, were the uh, others were. Oh, one, another one for I think it was on the liberal platform was also decreasing the CMHC premiums um, by 25%, which I think is which is actually hard dollars saved by first-time home buyers and people mm-hmm. putting less than 20% down, which is I think a good thing because that decreases their monthly payments and obligations, um, deferral re- or, uh, um, deferral rates and, um, default rates for insured mortgages is outrageously low. I think it, it's, it's definitely, I don't know the exact number. I know it's less than 1%, but,
1: um, or. Or we could have it so that maybe the banks split that premium with buyers, so that uh, the buyers aren't completely on the hook for paying for the bank's insurance. That could be something they could look at in the future as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. The home buyers are paying you know fifteen grand in thought. insurance for the banks. You know, yeah. uh, maybe we could split that so that the uh, the home buyers in Canada aren't carrying the brunt of that uh, premium for the banks to be insured. I don't never that'll never happen. I know, but I mean, let's, uh, (laughs) let's take a step back here and look at what's actually happening. I mean, homebuyers are paying (laughs) tens of thousands of dollars, millions, probably billions of dollars a year. Actually, I'm sure it's billions, uh, a year in insurance to protect the banks from defaulting, you know? So you're basically paying to say, yeah, I'm actually a good homebuyer and I'm not going to default. You're paying a premium. Um, anyway, so I digress. Uh, so (laughs) Uh, I was going to say something on that point, but you guys continue. Cause I can't think of what my point was on that now, but I think I'm that looking... would be, go ahead. I think that's a good idea. I think decreasing premiums is never going to be a bad thing. I think that works well for buyers. Uh, and let's not forget that those premiums just went up too in the last three to five years, mm-hmm. the MHC yeah. premiums. So, I mean, they were lower and they, they did increase them. So even just that slight decrease, as you said, Dave, I think would be, would be great. Mm-hmm.
2: I got a question for you guys Uh, with the NDPC and the reintroducing the 30 year amortized or 30 year insured mortgages. uh, Is that still, wasn't that in and out? So I thought those were still available in certain circumstances already
0: on. Yeah. So on conventional um, refinances or purchases, so somebody putting 20% down or more on a purchase or refinance, you have the option to uh, go as high as a 30 year amortization. Um, but for any insured mortgage, so any mortgage, if you're buying a house, uh, with less than 20% down, it is insured. There are also some programs that some people have to qualify under like self-employed programs, um, which they might be putting down 20% or more, but they're capped at that 25 year amortization. Um, I think the stretching the 30 year amortization would be a good thing. I think they need to keep it to first time home buyers only and not for people putting less than 20% down because even if you're buying your 10th home, you can still put 5% down. You could have mm-hmm. bought and sold your house nine times and you're buying your 10th home and just, and you're, you can still put 5% down like that. 5% yeah. there's a misconception that that 5% is for only first-time home buyers. When that's not the case, that's for common,
1: any, That's a common misconception actually. Cause clients ask yeah. us all the time. Like, well, we need 20 now, right. For the second home. It's like, no, you know, <laughs> as long as your, it's your primary home. five yeah. percent but so first I think five, having, it scales obviously after 500,000, but
0: yeah, I think, I think if they, if they had that for for true first time home buyers and left it at that um, I think that would be a good thing to, because it helps with their affordability on that property, helps them get in the market, helps them qualify all of that. It also, like Paul said, it doesn't, you know, you're then allowing them to stretch what they can afford as well or increase what they can afford. So um, that does, increase that demand for some of the, you know, lower priced properties in some cases. So I don't know what the answer to that is. I think it's a, I think it is a good thing though, to allow for for that 30 year again. And to yeah, to help get
2: in the market. That's a little, yeah. it's a little bit of an a, easier incentive to get in. Um, the, uh, the liberals rent to own program. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I, I just give me one second. I, I, I mean, rent to own it's changed a lot over the years. And from what I understand now, um, because a lot of people are always asking questions about it, you know, and they want to buy and they just can't save and they're, they're tight most rent to own programs that I know of now, the person still has to qualify almost at the same rate as what you would be getting a mortgage at the same
0: house for. You just don't have the down
2: payment. Correct.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're, a lot of times in the tr- traditional rent-own that's out there, and you, you can still find them. Um, the the renter is putting a substantial deposit down. They their rent is increased from what they would typically be. So instead of two thousand a month, maybe it's twenty five hundred a month, and that extra mm-hmm. five hundred is going towards savings for the down payment. But if they move out or they miss a payment or anything like that, um, the deal is dead. And they lose their deposit and they lose that savings.
1: Um, it almost so, always benefits the homeowner as yeah. opposed to the rent to own person. And they still have to qualify. So it's
0: like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Basically, it's oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's typically the people that get into those or that you know, have been stuck into those in the past, unfortunately, have been um, uh, people that are new to Canada that don't have <clears throat> credit. Yeah. And they don't have the, and they don't have the down payment. They might have some, you know, they might have five grand or ten grand, but they just don't have the credit to qualify with a traditional bank. They get into these programs with the landlord, but uh, you know, nine point nine times out of ten, it doesn't go through, and they lose that deposit and they lose all those savings. You know, this rent own program that that that's been talked about, uh, all they've done is earmark a billion dollars on it. I think they're just sticking high numbers on it with no actual. There's no Mm -hmm. breakdown of how this would work. Just like the first time home buyer incentive program that was for one and a quarter billion that nobody's Mm -hmm. used um, because it just, it it made, it makes no sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's not forget that this is like the government, the federal government getting their hands involved in the real estate market is a very new concept. Like this is not Mm -hmm. something that was, you know, this isn't historically what would happen. Like typically it's, you know, the market would kind of, um, govern itself, but to Dave's point, like that incentive that they brought in the stress test. Since all that stuff has happened, home prices have, on average, have gone up by 300,000 in the last four years. Uh, now there's other factors involved in that, but the stress test, which in my opinion didn't really do too much, um, you know, the, the, even that incentive, Dave, as you mentioned, that incentive is using taxpayers' dollars to lend to homeowners to have an investment in their property for the government to then get a return on that investment down the road when the person sells the home. So, you know, those sorts of programs, again, using taxpayers dollars to help homeowners, I think in theory sounds great. Uh, But when the government is taking a vested interest in your property and you know, you're paying them back with, you know, with that inflation or with that increase in value, Um, you know, that program exactly, as we said, has not exactly been uh, well received. And and the price of homes has skyrocketed since the federal Mm -hmm. government got involved. So I'm not saying that is always going to be the case, but I think we also need to just not, you know, get on the jump to conclusions, Matt, and make any rash decisions. I think it is really important to take a step back on these things and really decide like, how is this going to impact the market long-term? And if this is being implemented now and say it lasts for 20 years. Like what what is that 20 year impact going to be? We can't Mm -hmm. look at the next one or two years only and say, well, this is going to be great. We'll, we'll flood the market with supply. And then what happens if there's way too much supply and, and, you know, there's just a lot of long-term factors that I think we need to take into consideration. And Greg, one, one of the main points that the liberals are talking about, and this is obviously a lot of real estate agents are kind of up in arms in this is banning blind bidding and not only banning it, but actually putting it in the criminal code that you have no choice in how you sell your home and that you have to basically sell it by auction. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's, uh, I think it'll drive prices even higher up. (laughs) (laughs) If they just have,
2: if they have auctions going all the time, regardless of if it's more transparent and
0: people can see it it doesn't matter. There's always going to be people with more money ready to spend more. Right. Well, Depends on what their need is. People never, people never spend more than they ever planned at an auction. That just never happens. People never get emotionally invested in an auction and end up overspending. That never happens. Nobody ever pays for that. <laughs> Carl never pays uh, a fortune for that uh, Carlson Jersey when it's really worth 150 bucks oh, and geez, pays a thousand, you know, or, yeah. or
1: when you're sitting on the lawn with 10 other people and you're, you know, you're eyeing your competition, like, Oh, Honey, we can do it. Let's yeah. go. 600. They just it's, screaming at each yeah. other on the lawn. I, I'll say it. That's
2: like the stupidest thing. Like Happy you know, Gilmore style. Criminal code. Like everyone should be able to sell their home how they want to sell it. If they want to do it by an auction, that's great. If they want to sell it traditionally, that's great. But yeah, just ha- having the auction style only, That's I think that's a complete disaster and would fail I, terribly over time. I mean, it we have. Get- We
0: have in the past talked about, and you have too, Greg. We've talked in the past about more transparency around Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. double ending and around uh, offers, like actually. But that's not. That's not. That's just more transparency in what the previous offer was, or what the sale prices were, or removing double ending things like that. Those for sure. I think those, and, and I think they're minute, are they not provincially regulated? I think that's why they yeah. brought up the criminal code aspect because they can federally make that change as yeah. opposed to working with their partners to, to have them implement that. Uh, same as, and I think the right to a home inspection, I think that like a, as a condition, again, I, I think it's, they have it in Quebec where, you know, it's instituted yeah. you, it's a 10 day mandatory financing condition and, it, and uh, also mandatory home inspection. I think it's a good thing um, for those, and I, I think it's just the federal partners working with the provincial partners to come to that. Mm-hmm. Not just in, not saying it's a it's you're criminally you're gonna get a year's jail time because you mm-hmm. friggin you know wanted to put your place up for auction or not or what have it. It's uh, I think that's there's no way they can't slope. like
2: even commenting making that comment. I think is ridiculous. But yeah, like the, yeah. the legal right to home inspection, I mean, and, and we've said it before too, like having a home inspection, having a financing condition, I think, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to have that be mandatory. I think it's protection mm-hmm. on both sides. You um, know, that, you know, the, you know, the deal is going to get done and there's no. We,
1: we've talked about that. I mean, Greg, you, yeah. you had your, uh, your pre, your pre-inspection, you know, the big stuff stamp. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, mandatory, uh, mandatory inspections. I, I don't think, I mean, that actually protects the home buyers and the home sellers, really. I mean, it protects everyone yeah. involved. And, uh, you know, if you've lived in a home for 12 years, I mean, who knows what's going on under the mm-hmm. uh, under the bricks, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, the, the banning of blind bidding, I think just the fact that they want to make it criminal, I think, is the issue. I, I think, yeah. like you said, more transparency, maybe being able to see, you know, if you're involved in the bidding, uh, being able to discuss maybe uh, exactly. even within a range of what the prices are, just that people aren't paying, you know, 50000 over asking unnecessarily. But to just not allow you to sell like traditionally seems crazy, crazy. crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know if they're just saying that for the headlines or to get people riled up, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of people have been burned obviously in the last couple of years trying to buy homes. Um, Maybe that'll just, you know, light something under them where they, you know, they, like you said, they get emotionally involved and like, yeah, we should ban blind bidding, you know, and just kind of get behind it. And then maybe it'll never go through Um, who knows who knows what the strategy is there, but I think that's uh, I think it's a dangerous uh, direction to go. Yeah. I don't think it's a good thing. And like you said, Greg, I think it'll drive prices up. Yeah. Um, it's not going to change another.
0: Uh, yeah. Another, uh, I, I do want to touch on a topic of the concerns that I thought was pretty stupid for them to include is, is encouraging seven to 10 year fixed rates, um, which have been around for ages and mm-hmm. people just, they, they don't make sense because they, from a percentage of what the interest rate is on them compared to what you would get on a five year and what you, and then your penalties to break, um, even having that in their platform is not keep, is not going to keep somebody in their home. Um, it's actually just going to cost home buyers, uh, and homeowners more money by, because they pay a higher interest rate, uh, which increases their monthly costs. They're paying down less principal, paying more interest and yeah. their penalties are higher to break their mortgage. Um, so, well, and we know the average, the average
1: mortgage in Canada only lasts like 36 months. Like we're talking three years. Yeah. So what, there's no benefit to locking in for seven instead of five when you know, you're, yeah. you're still going to likely break that
0: for sure. Um, and then another one that, uh, that the NDP had that I thought was, was really good, uh, again, that I think all of them should adopt is touching on because there's not a lot out in their platforms for, uh, renters. Um, and I, I think the NDP, uh, talked about a five thousand dollar credit uh, for people renting, so those mm-hmm. that are are renters that they would have a a five thousand dollar tax credit, which I think is something that's valuable that they could, yeah, you know, that they could use and and implement. And I think that's that would go a long way to to helping that affordability of for for the tenant base and and help them, you know, maybe save or be able to use that tax free savings account uh, or rent or a purchase savings account to be able to put that extra five grand into that. Maybe you know maybe over Instead, uh, things like that, but
2: I think that should be whatever party, you know, comes into effect. I think that should definitely be part of it for the right, uh, for the right people.
0: I I think it should be, I think they need to increase tax credits for the under, um, the lower, you know, the lower income, the affordable housing, the renters, all of that, so that they can help increase their savings towards home ownership. Mm -hmm and eliminate all the, for any party of, you know, increasing taxes, except for the one on the foreign buyers, the non-resident and foreign buyers of of that 20% tax on that, I think is valuable, but just increasing taxes on anything like, you know, the liberals talking about a flipper tax, hundred percent capital gains tax. If you hold the property for less than 12 months, well, what does that, what does that look like? Is that, you know, you've got somebody that bought a new build three years ago that now they're not going to be able to live in that city because they got a transfer. Or they're with the military they got transferred overseas or they're relocating and now they're selling it when they get possession um you know maybe a month in are they now being taxed completely on that property because they haven't moved in or you know what is that what does that look like somebody moves yeah. in they want to you know they get into the property they realize it's not for them um or that's over their budget or that it's not big enough for them and they want to sell it i mean they're going to be taxed a hundred percent if they have any gain like that just that's just ridiculous. Um, I get that there's people out there that do it as a bit, you know, do it as a business or that buy property to renovate and, and sell. Um, but there is a market for that. And that's actually just, you know, rehabbing existing inventory that's on the market from maybe disrepair to a livable state for people. Um, that's not a segment that is a huge profit making, um, segment of, of individuals, but there's a lot that's, being overlooked of those people that are relocating. You have people that relocate for jobs all the time that are, you know, they're there for less than mm-hmm. a year. Um, you know, like I said, people buying new builds, you're buying three years out. Well, a yeah. lot happens in, in your life over those three years. Maybe you end up having a couple of kids over those times. while like you're waiting for that new build and that town home or that condo, you just signed a purchase agreement for that you have to close on is not suitable anymore. So you're going to be taxed completely on that gain. Um, I think that's, pretty ludicrous. Yeah, I
2: mean there's you know in everything that we're looking at now there's a lot of information that needs to be clear, clarified <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see how deep they get because right now it's just it's a lot of words that it's like headline grabbers, right? It's like yeah, oh wow, yeah. yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh but yeah. what like what does that mean? Like we're breaking it down a bit here, but I mean you could go like deep 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 and it's got to be segmented into different
1: Different divisions for almost every little thing. And there are a few other parties, just to be uh, clear, we're focusing on three, but you know, the PPC and the green party, I'm sure also have amazing platforms or have some great ideas. One thing that I think um, is a very bad idea. um, This is by the liberals is that they want to implement a mandatory mortgage deferral for like basically for banks to implement a mandatory deferral of up to six months for homeowners, meaning that in your mortgage contract, it would state that you are allowed to defer up to six months in your five years. So if something were to happen now, I should preface this by saying, um, I think six months is too long. You know, I think uh, the deferral program during the pandemic was valuable, but to have it written in there that there's a man, not a mentor, but that you, every single person is eligible for a six month mortgage deferral, I think is again, just a dangerous precedent. That's you know, one twelfth of your mortgage term. If you have a five five year term, that you can defer your payments. Um, I don't know That's what are your interest. thoughts.
0: That's just interest compounding, though. That's not deferring yes. the interest. That's actually just compounding the interest onto your payments. Um, I agree. I mean, and what what they're kind of missing out on is that a lot of lenders have a one month deferral program, anyways. Yeah, like you payment can,
1: vacation or yeah, like you
0: it. know, a lot of the banks out there, most all, uh, have a one month payment vacation. If something were to happen that you can, and you're not able to make your payment that month, you can defer it by one month. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, I think, like you said, Paul, I think having that six months, cause I mean, we, we saw it all the time through the pandemic of the six month deferral that a lot of people that didn't need to use it mm-hmm. were doing it. And yes, they were just, they were because they were stockpiling some savings to you know, do some rentals, maybe things like that. Um, but again, it's people that are doing it thinking that they're just getting that interest waived and those payments waived when really that interest is just compounding on top of it, on top of one another. And a lot of people aren't putting in that forethought into what the ramifications are of those, of that deferral. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's, again, I think that's, uh, for sure. I think that's a a slippery, uh, slippery Mm -hmm. slope, (laughs)
1: There's there's many other things that we could I mean we could literally sit here all day probably and and pick apart the <laughs> different uh, platforms or or pump their tires in some cases. Um, the last one I had here written down was um, for flippers uh, and the liberals have said that for anyone flipping a home they want uh, basically like a minimum of 12 month ownership before you can resell. Uh, so if you're you know buying an investment property essentially and and flipping it to you know increase the value force appreciation you would have to hold it for at least 12 months prior to Listing it now, I think in Ottawa and some of the major urban areas, I mean, most flips like that are probably taking, you know, three to six months, regardless. So it's not that crazy, but it is certainly to enforce that over 12 months. I'm sure people will find creative ways to uh, circumvent it, but I think that's an interesting. Um,
0: but it's like I just, it's like I said a few minutes ago, um, that flipper tap, like, you know, again, and Greg, you're right. None of them have, like, we're diving deeper into them than all of them just have their highlighted points and not really providing any substance to their ideas. Yep. But, um, but like I was saying before, for the flipper tax of hundred percent capital gains, if you've owned it for less than 12 months, that's not covering people that are relocating, that are buying a new build yeah. that were, you know, some time ago that they're having to close on, are they then falling under that? Or is it people that are doing it as just a business? And how do you delineate the people that are doing it as a business, mm-hmm. um, versus you know, and, and what, yeah. you know, versus just somebody that bought a home that it's not working for them. So, you know, I, and, and it's such a small segment of the market. Yes. You have some speculators that buy new builds that'll sit on them and wait. But again, that comes down to a lack of supply. The fact that they can sit on a property, you know, buy a new build for some time out, wait on it for to close and the value is going up and that causing a, a ripple of, uh, of less, units on the market for sale, that's, that's, that's supply side issues, mm-hmm. you know, um, not, uh, not necessarily on the speculator or that flipper, if you will. Mm. But I think, I think it'll be interesting over the coming weeks. Um, you know, the elections, of the 20th, we're basically 21 days out. I think it will be interesting to see how they continue speaking to these, um, points and these platforms and really breaking down or diving down as to how they would implement them or what, you know, and to uh, that commenter, Deborah's point earlier, you know, just lip service, um, you know, are these just BS points and they don't actually have any forethought? Th- yeah. As usual. Uh, or do they have, have they put any thought into how they're going to bring it in or implement implement it? Um,
1: also but- we should say if any of the party leaders or any of their campaign managers are listening, we're open to a discussion, you know, we will, uh, we will gladly have on, uh, party leaders talk about their platform or even a debate who knows let's get uh let's get six of us on here a <laughs> not, not, organized not even debate.
2: necessary not even necessary the leaders anybody who's just you know well-versed and with each party and could come and have a proper conversation with us mm-hmm. yeah. i'd love to have uh pierre polivier on here <laughs> the guy's great <laughs>
0: there's there's some great uh some great um, sites and links that we have for summarizing all of the different platforms that we'll be sure for those listening on your podcast platforms that we'll post on the YouTube video. Yeah. Um, so certainly check that out to, you know, really at the end of the day, I think to summarize, I know we've, are you know, we've been going probably one of our longer episodes here that, that I think we'll just, uh, that we probably wrap up, but, but certainly I think for everyone out there, regardless of your platform or, or party that you support going through and familiarizing yourself with um, with all the different, uh, platforms that each party has their different points and diving down into what they're actually offering and what, how they're going about it. And, and really just no matter who wins or what party comes into power, uh, really, I think, you know, at least us on this show really hope that they have some bipartisanship and, and look at all the different platforms that all, you know, all the three major parties have put up that all have amazing aspects to them and some that are not so amazing. And so really kind of looking at those and, and looking at all through, you know, all the, all the ideas and, and really actually sharing as opposed to just a one track mind, which has unfortunately been, uh, the way, uh, you know, <laughs> over the years of, of not wanting to, you know, take tidbits from the other parties or anything like that. And that goes back, you know, not just mm-hmm. the most recent party in power, but also previous. So, um, yeah. What are your closing thoughts, gentlemen? I think we'll be just watching this and updating
2: everybody weekly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling sure. this is I not going to we... be our last conversation about this. No, not um, at all. I, I personally, I think there's some really good. Uh, as we let off with, I think the fact that they're even having these conversations now is well, it's, it's needed for sure. I mean, we've been in a you know residential crisis for over a year now, and they've tried a couple odd things, but a couple band aids, but. I think some of these things will really make an impact if, if implemented properly. I love the idea of the, like I said, the first time home buyer savings account, I think is an excellent idea just to even just shift young people's focus. If they do want to own a home into home ownership. I mean, it's similar to the TFSA, but at least it's like a pointed direction. Um, I think the, um, banning of blind bidding, I think is, uh, like I said, I think is a dangerous precedent to set. I think it's ridiculous to make a criminal, to choose how you want to sell your home when it's your largest investment you're ever going to buy. And I think that's, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but everything else, I mean, I just love that they're all focusing on, like you said, Dave, the supply issue. Uh, I think some of the stuff is going to create more demand, which is only going to drive prices up. So I think we need to really not us, but I think, uh, the people that are making these decisions need to take a real hard look and make sure that they're balancing supply and demand and not just focusing on, um, one over the other, because I think no matter what, you know, teeter totter is going to flip the other way. And when it's one eighty, you got to make sure that you have the, uh, you know, the shoot to be able to pull it and, and balance it out again. So I just don't want them to focus too much on the supply or, or, or do things that they think won't impact the demand, but will like, you know, the 30 year AM is certainly going to impact that 40 year TFSA or 40 year savings account is certainly going to impact demand. So they need to make sure they're not pumping the tires on demand and not answering that supply issue. And I know the liberals is the only one, I don't think they've come out with the timeframe for their 1.4 million homes. Right. So Mm. how long are they taking 20 years to do that? Five years, 10 years? Uh, Like you said, Dave, I think it'll be interesting to see over the coming weeks when they roll out kind of a more direct plan that we can dig a bit deeper into it. But
0: um, I think all the parties, one thing that they do lack, um, is that they they rely on these ideas by politicians and people within their party that don't aren't actually professionals or have a direct knowledge of what's going on in the streets with home buyers in the case of real estate. And and this goes for all other aspects too, but they aren't they aren't working with partners. You know, they're not working with um on the mortgage side, mortgage professional Canada, you know, and the board there and and looking at the idea, you know, what is actually happening on the streets with home buyers. They're not working with crea um, you know, the Canadian real estate board and, and, you know, association, they're not, they need to bring in these parties and really have collaborative discussions and whether, and again, that's any party, any of these ideas they want to bring in, um, really they should be in involving those groups because yeah. they're the ones on the ground. They're the ones that actually know what is truly impacting and what is a true, uh, issue that, Canadians are seeing and that that are truly being affected as opposed to just politicians that haven't had to buy a home, uh, in ages or that are making, uh, you know, crazy sums of money or come from money. Um, things like that, that, that they haven't had to buy their first home or haven't actually gone through these issues, um, or seeing it on a regular basis. So hopefully as they start building out their platforms that they, they do involve those, those other, uh, private partners, if you will, for, information. They have
2: to do it. Cause as long as um, immigration continues and they don't have enough supply here, we're going to be screwed constantly. Mm-hmm. It's never going to yeah. change. Yeah.
0: Well, Paul, should we get into some mood boosts? Let's uh, do it.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get away from on the serious. On that
0: note of being screwed, let's get a, uh, let's yeah, get a mood boost. Yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> um, and yeah. And for anyone who is listening Just feel free. I know this is the first time we haven't done a live show in a while. And uh, we knew that there was going to probably be a lot of people's opinions and and a lot of comments and so on. So please feel free to comment um, on the the YouTube video or on Facebook when we post it, because we will be answering a lot of the questions on next week's show, this week's show. And, um, you know, we look forward to that interaction. So mood boost. Okay, here we go. Got some new ones. These are from from Pops. So I'm switching up a little bit. Uh, Number one. Number one, what do dentists call their x-rays? Toothpicks. (laughs) Toothpicks. (laughs) Number two, did you hear about the fire at the circus? It was intense. (laughs) Number three, you heard the rumor going around about butter. Never mind, I shouldn't spread it. Oh. I'm going to go five today uh, good. Um, I couldn't believe the highway department called my dad a thief but when I got home the signs were all there <laughs> and last but not least a horse walks into a bar and the bartender says why the long face I've heard that last one before <laughs> That's pretty good. Pop, yeah. pop. Pops coming with the fire this week. Yeah. He doesn't mess around. He'll, he'll just send no. me buckshot emails being like, here's some new jokes in case you need them. And they're all fire. <laughs> Every time he must sit there and just like, uh, no. what do you call it? Like um, not cultivate. What's the word I'm looking for? Curate. He just like curates Curate. like, the, the curates. hottest jokes on yeah. the internet. Send some... <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. um, all right. Yeah. Um. Oh, gentlemen, big, big show, big week. Um, for anyone who is listening, we uh you know we really appreciate your uh, your fellowship and uh, if you haven't already, please uh subscribe either on uh, YouTube or on your podcast platform. And if possible, um you know on Apple and Spotify and so on, please uh, feel free to leave a review. You know, we have I know Greg you were saying recently we were ranked in the top 100 for uh, financial yeah. podcasts across Canada, which is pretty amazing. So all those little things help anytime you can you know, leave a quick review. If you like it, don't like it. Uh, we want to hear both, um, but it does help kind of get the word out there and let people um, get some information, free info every Friday, every Tuesday.
0: We, we prefer if you like it. Just saying. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars are better than one. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: as always, though, show the show will be released tomorrow. Uh, we're not even live, so it doesn't matter. The show, when you listen to it, has been released. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you go to uh, if you go to Northbrook.ca and uh, use the podcast. Promo code, promo code podcast, you get 20 percent off your order. Thank you, Stephen, for saving me at the bottom. And uh, gentlemen. What's the rest of the week looking like? What uh, what closing remarks do you have? Just getting ready for signing the kids up for uh, all these little extracurricular activities.
2: It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. They're getting older. It's fun. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just doing that, working. I got some showings. I'm going to go look at a listing today and see what I can do. See how many people I can help.
0: <laughs> I'm not moving, but I'm taking possession of a new home this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be moving the next week or so giving giving a little bit of a, a layover between properties so looking forward to that moving a whole uh, three streets away from where i live now big a big, uh, a, big uh, a big move you know 300 meters but uh yeah looking forward to that <laughs> that's awesome cool
1: yeah. i'm uh, just gonna be working kids uh, kids are away this week so uh it's just me my daughter's out east. She's doing a crazy uh, camping tour around Gaspé, Gaspé-Z. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. The photos, I, I mean, she sends me photos. I know it looks like she's in, you know, like on the western California coast or something with the uh, photos she's sending. So she's having a great time. Uh, other than that, yeah, just taking it easy. Heading away next week. So just kind of getting things, uh, you know, finalized. Working on my, uh, working on my files, working on my files. Lock, locking up Work some on files for people. Locking up financing for people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, so that's All awesome. Right. This Friday, we're going to be answering a lot of comments and a lot of questions on this show. So thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for your comments and your uh, insight and your support. And uh, we'll see you soon.
0: The Ottawa Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by Referral Mortgages, Blue Panda Realty, and Stephen Hopkins Video. Thanks for tuning in. And please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.